So we start this episode without a cold open. We just went straight from last time on to Burnham's log. Uh, you know, if we're talking about Star Trek firsts, that might actually be a Star Trek first. Normally we get set up a nice B-plot or something, but this yeah. went straight in. We're on the ship the entire time. No away teams, no landing parties, we didn't go anywhere else. It was all my favorite genres. It was time loop. Uh-huh. It was captain saves the ship, even uh-huh. though we didn't quite get that. He, no, he didn't really. Okay, we, we got aliens invading <laughs> uh, the ship. Heist. Yeah. We got teamwork. Uh-huh. Uh, space whales. Space whales. God, this episode had everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare it very heavily to cause and effect, which is quite possibly like yes. one of my favorite episodes of The Next Generation. There's, there's no one who doesn't like time travel. Except the Vulcan Science Directorate. Oh, but apparently, apparently they've changed their mind in the last hundred years. Yeah, we find out Michael was very uh, open-minded, I would say, because mm-hmm. we, we saw a Groundhog Day. This is Groundhog Day. It, it is. It's Groundhog Day episode. And Michael, she gets she, she's the contact point. Which is interesting, because she's not the one experiencing the loop, but she is our, our POV character. I thought it was funny that the like not only does the Vulcan Science Directorate has acknowledged time travel by this point. Okay. They have like they have some stuff on file about how to do it. <laughs> oh, they have the crystal. That's right. right. That, that's how she knew about the crystal. She was talking about how it's hard to make friends, and that she really wasn't looking forward to the next big scene, which was the party. Would you call that a disco party? It seemed very like a disco party. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we had loud music. We never get loud music on Star Trek. No. We have people making out. We never get make-out sessions Yeah, that is, wow. (laughs) Tilly was drunk, and I immediately had the question, is there synthahol in this universe? Because Tilly seemed kind of drunk. I thought there was. And the the thing about synthahol is that you get drunk, but then it can be eliminated, like, instantly. Somehow. (laughs) Which I would assume, after after Michael and Ash get called to the bridge, they, you know, pop something on the way up that sobers them up. (laughs) Michael and Ash... Semi-hooking up. Sometimes they dance, sometimes they don't. I think in one timeline, they probably went all the way, you know, just for the sake of completeness. Really? It didn't even cross my mind until you said it. I mean, Stemmets was basically... Stemmets was, like, wandering around on shrooms the whole time, so who knows what he instigated. (laughs) Okay, so part of this time loop is we're partying, and then we go to the bridge for a space whale. And this is cool, because I I remember the Next Generation episodes with space whales, and they're like, isn't this majestic and wonderful? We're finding this thing. (laughs) And in this case, Lorca's like, oh, God, a fish. Uh, We gotta bring it back, really? It is kind of funny how perfunctory it is. They're like, oh, it's an endangered space whale. I guess, like, we're required by law to do something about it because it yeah. seems unwell. Yeah, at, that's right. Uh, the scanners say it's unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this case, Michael says we have to bring it aboard, but... Yeah, it's actually somebody different each time. Oh, interesting, right. Uh, Saru does it once. I think the captain insists on it once. You know, it's good to know that the bridge operates effectively no matter who's on it. That's they come point. to the same conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, good job, crew. Good job. Save the space whales. <laughs> This is cool. They beam it aboard. It was very Star Trek Four. I was ready for Scotty to be like, there be whales aboard. <laughs> I was a little surprised that they just beamed this space-dwelling organism into a cargo bay with, like, air and gravity. And it doesn't seem real happy about the gravity. Like, it kind of flops into a pile and yeah. is kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, I was curious about it myself. It, it yeah. didn't do a full jellyfish thing. It maintained its yeah. girth. I mean, like a whale, if you just dropped it on in a parking lot or something. I imagine the Vulcans have good records on how to <laughs> humanely <laughs> uh, bring these whales back like home. It, it probably won't kill it if you just beam it into the cargo bay, so... <laughs> But then this is a fun scene. Um, they they notice something is wrong with this whale. They're not exactly sure what. But lo and behold, who comes up popping out of it but our friend Harry Mudd. Yes. In uh, what I believe you identified 
as Andorian armor. And my only clue was he had these funny horn things, and I couldn't not stare at the horn things. I'm like, what are these horn things? Yeah. And then it just clicked. Oh, they're little antenna protectors <laughs> for the Andorians. How cute. If only Fran had had that. He'd still have his antenna. That's right. I don't, well, I don't think he would wear it during that combat. He lost <laughs> it in true. the trial, That right? wouldn't be honorable. No. No. All about honor. <laughs> uh, we actually, there are two other little funny things that we pick up here. One of them is we've determined, uh, yes random crew members do have to dive out of the way in the hallways when a runner comes past. This is very important. I, I was watching some YouTube videos, and this was a critical question of, are there designated hallways? <laughs> do you just scream ahead of you? And we found out, yeah, it's just like public streets. You just get yep. run over by joggers if you're not, not paying right. attention. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if someone asked this, like someone on the writing staff was like, you know, we should put this in the next episode just to answer that. <laughs> I thought it was fun. You know what I loved? Uh, Harry Mudd came out shooting a variety of weapons. I noticed he had one of the Klingon disruptors that turns people into a green uh, green poof. Oh, did he? Yeah. Because I didn't use it often, though. He was shooting a lot. Yeah. And I noticed there was different effects. I just I didn't catch that it was multiple weapons. Oh, I was watching because I, I always love invasion uh-huh. plots. These are my favorite. <laughs> so I am just, I'm like Sherlock Holmes at this point. What are their weaknesses? <laughs> what technologies are they using? I was fully invested Apparently, in this episode. Apparently his strengths are he gets infinite tries. This is, okay, now here's the plot twist. So his biggest gun in his armory is actually some time machine. Uh, that's run by a crystal, the Vulcans tell us. And this thing, what, it's a 30-minute loop? I think it's a fixed yeah, loop. He's yeah, kind of stuck in it. If the if, is it, if he doesn't reset it or if the ship isn't destroyed? Uh, something. He, he's got a little controller on yeah, his arm. Because he got shot once and it still reset. Oh, did it? Okay, so there must have to be a cancellation I think, code I then. think because the ship blew up almost immediately after that. Oh, right? I got what you're saying. Yeah. Yep, that's a good safety switch. Yeah. If I die, reset the timeline. This actually reminded me of actually my absolute favorite Stargate 1 episode where O'Neill and Teok get stuck in a time loop. Oh, yeah. And they just have a ball with it. That's the one where they have to learn, like, like quantum physics to get out of it or something? Oh, they learn to read Gaul. They learn to read Ancient. <laughs> They're <laughs> hitting golf balls, having little make-out sessions on their own. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Gotta love the time loops. Uh, gotta love, uh, especially the time loops where people have some, have like a loop or two to kill, you know? Yeah, like, uh, we spent this loop doing exposition, so let's go out with a bang. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love those ones. Give the audience a reward. And, you know, on on our way into these time loop episodes, I'm always watching the dialogue, and I'm like, oh, man, which of these lines am I going to have to hear, like, seven different times over the course of the episode? Mm-hmm. Actually, they did a really nice job, because I remember her meetings with Ash were always a bit different. We didn't get yeah. too many repeated lines in this. You know, they even varied the music a little bit in the party scene. Yep. I don't think they just repeated the same same bit over and over, so that was cool. So Harry Mudd is in this diabolical diabolical plan to mm-hmm. keep destroying, not keep destroying the ship, but to keep looping very Groundhog Day to keep learning. Right. And his goal is to learn what's so special about the ship and take it over and sell it to the Klingons. Yes. And I think he did a great job. And in the process, personally. kill Lorca as many times as possible. <laughs> that was a great line that he <laughs> shot out in the beginning, and he didn't quite know what it would mean, but yeah, he just killed him, what, like 50, 60 times by the time he was uh, gloating there, about thereabouts, it? Thereabouts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that actually gives us our first um, number of time loops. So we know that we're around 58 then, and then go through a few more. Yeah, it wasn't always clear how many loops were in between the scenes that we got to see, but right. I did actually enjoy the accelerated pace, because it shows Harry Mudd didn't learn how to take over the ship in, you know, two loops. It took him a bunch to figure it out. Then he had some time having I mean, fun. I mean, I would hope so. <laughs> you know, it's 
the, the classic, uh, anybody can just wander onto a Starfleet ship and, like, take over the computers. Yeah, in the beginning of this, I was ready for, oh, let's see Starfleet security and competence all uh-huh. over again. But to be honest, I had to make the comment, uh, Ash, our new security chief, he was pretty competent once he started believing yeah, in the loop. Yeah, which uh, brings up part of the plot. Uh, Stamets, because of he's part Spore now, is outside of the time stream, and so he has not like a, not like a data sense that something is wrong, but like he full-on freaking remembers it. Yeah, it seems, you think it's like 100% or do you think it's more dreamy? I mean, that's what it sounded like Mm because he seemed pretty exasperated. Like by the time, by the time he rolls into this loop, he's (laughs) like, oh my God, stuff is happening. You have to listen to me. They had a lot of fun. I mean, the actor had a lot of fun because they played him as the fool (laughs) for like, what, the first two or three loops. Yeah, yeah. And we're all like, okay, he's just tripping on his space shrooms. It's fine. Uh But then eventually it's revealed. Yeah, he, he, he actually can tell what's going on and he's desperately trying to convince everyone else right. what's going on. So he's our actual main hero Which is an interesting, and this is, you know, this is a little diversion from, uh, like, Next Generation style, too, is the having to convince people you're in a time loop. I feel like that always goes a little smoother in the Next Generation. Yeah. Like they're, they're a little more willing to trust each other and believe that time loops happen all the time. Picard is very open-minded. Well, he would have, a, a, a like, a meeting... A quiet yeah. meeting where they yeah. all talked it through. Mm-hmm. The problem is he's trying to convince them during this party. And, like, <laughs> it's just not the place to convince people, you know? Well, and also, um, cause and effect, the loop was uh, a day or two, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. at least, yeah. And this was 30 minutes. So it's they're really under the gun every loop to get something done. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so what were your favorite Harry Mudd antics out of this whole thing? <laughs> he makes a lot of great time loop jokes. Does he? Like, I feel like he made a joke or two about that every loop, and I really appreciate that. I I was nervous because he did have to carry the episode. He was almost the protagonist of his own story, right? You, yeah, you couldn't yeah. help but to root for him a tiny bit. I, I do feel like he got off a little easy. He was mass murdering people. He, he was doing a lot of mass murdering there. Those little purple balls he had, that would yeah. most, they were the most painful way <laughs> out of the 860-something ways to die in space. It was the most painful way. I, I think getting eaten by a Klingon might be more that seemed yeah. like it was pretty fast really it's like 30 seconds of really bad indigestion <laughs> then you're gone maybe it slows down time for you Ooh. you just don't know so Star you're Trek. trapped for eternity being disintegrated you just don't know you That's know dark. it's all yeah. relative mm-hmm. so eventually uh, Stemets starts trying to convince Burnham to help him that there is a time loop uh, and so he asks her for a secret but she told him a secret because he's getting tired of explaining things over and over. So he right. needed a faster way to communicate. Right. Uh, we don't find out what this is immediately. No. Um, but the next loop at the party, um, things kind of start coming together a little bit more. Uh, she actually talks to Ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out the secret was she's never been in love. Yeah, which Aww. I guess I believe. Um, she's had a pretty tough life under the tutelage of Sarek. And That's true. Seven not a lot years of... aboard a ship, though. That's kind of sad. Not a lot of time. I guess. Well, unless no. you're on Discovery, and then everybody's hooking up all the time. Well, it turns out. She never had Tilly as a roommate. That was her problem. Um, but I gotta say, as a, as a critic of time loop secrets that will make someone believe you next time, this is not a great secret. And yeah. the way he approached her, too, was very awkward. <laughs> he just walked up to her and said, you've never been in love. I think she should have slapped him. Mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I think a childhood pet would have made more sense. Whichever of those <laughs> stupid security questions Google's always asking me. You know, one of those, oh, where did your parents yeah. meet? What was your first concert? 
Well, fortunately for him, she's very logical, and she concluded that she wouldn't say... Maybe it's the phrasing, too. Maybe it's that exact phrasing that yeah, triggers her, and she believes it. It worked. Yeah. It worked. He was awkward about it, but it worked. <laughs> well, the whole plan is, actually, they need Ash on their side. Yeah. They need the security chief, because this is an invasion of the ship. Right. And... Oh, and also because he knows Mud. He, he gives right. the key piece of information about the crystals. Well... And his love affair with Stella, which actually turns out to be important to the episode, even yeah. though I just thought it was a totally made-up plot on the <laughs> part of Mary. I thought it was just a story he was telling, See, but it that, turns out she exists. Yes, yes. Um, and that is that is a very Star Trek part of it, that they, <laughs> they send him home with his wife. <laughs> there is an early Next Generation episode where this rogue type comes aboard, he really impresses Wesley, uh-huh. and it ends up he's the third vertex in a triangle a love triangle oh that was great and it's resolved because he yep. was just the messenger between these yes. star-crossed romeo and juliet uh, you know that <laughs> actor was actually he auditioned to play Riker. is that right yeah. he would have been an okay Riker. what if imagine him with a beard maybe very charismatic yeah, very yeah but no harry harry doesn't care about stella uh apparently just ripped off her dad and made a run for it Throughout all of this, Harry's had control of the computer, which is, to me has always been the most surprising thing, the fact that he was able to arrest control of the computer. I mean, they basically made him the hacker from uh, Die Hard 4. Okay. I, I just assumed that an Andorian helmet was doing it for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a time travel ship. Maybe the ship was doing it. Andorians are renowned for their hackers. So Harry had full control of the computer, but it turns out there were still lower-level accesses, access levels to the computer. Right. And you know what it made me think of? What? I hate to keep doing this, <laughs> but Rascals from the Next Generation, where the kids had access oh, to the totally. computer when totally. it was I locked thought, out. I thought you were going to make a Stargate reference, but no, Rascals nope, sorry. is... that's good. Yeah. Keeping it in-universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Doing they, my best. They accessed the less secure... Like, they were using the cartoon diagram of the Enterprise yes. to plan their assault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a terrible episode, but it had some, <laughs> had some great moments in it. <laughs> uh, so they have access to the low-level, uh, whatever, to the computer, mm-hmm. and they're able to do this backstory. They, they basically Google him. Yeah. Find out, oh, Harry Mudd. Mm-hmm. Oh, you rascal, you. Turns out you ran off on this rich baron guy, his daughter. <laughs> You're in with the Klingons. Mm-hmm. You rascal, you. Mass murdering rascal. If, if it wasn't for the horrific mass murdering, uh, I, I feel like this would almost be in line with the character. I mean, he's supposed to be kind of a rogue yeah. rascal type. And this is a classic story, right? The mm-hmm. con man coming in and then having to get away with and loot. I, and I guess the revenge thing kind of makes like it. There was some some scuttlebutt that he might have been like a Klingon plant, right? Like, he was just planted in the cell to get information from other prisoners, Um, which kind of made sense. Like, he had the little bug thing, and he didn't seem too worse for wear. I guess that wasn't the case. He actually was getting tortured by the Klingons, so he kind of has an axe to grind. Yeah, so he does have a debt to them, right? Right, because Stella's father, in the end, buys his debt. So let's talk about how they actually resolve this time loop, because it's interesting. (laughs) It is. First, they find out that Michael is valuable to him. And I didn't realize this, that the Klingons would absolutely love to get their hands on Michael. And it was, and and that he didn't necessarily get that right off the bat. Right. He had looked up all the officers. The officers. (laughs) Don't look at those crewmen. Who cares about the crewmen? We've forgotten that Michael is not the main character of everything. (laughs) And so she convinces him, and this is an amazing scene, I love this, she convinces him that she's valuable. Yeah. But this isn't a time loop when Ash was murdered, and she can't have that. Right. So they desperately need to reset, to allow this time loop to reset. Right. And there's a couple of ways they could have done this. I mean, basically they just need to force him to 
reset it because of some stakes. So they could blow up the ship, they could... Oh, they you couldn't. Know. They didn't have computer control, <sighs> so they had to come up with something clever. Well, Data and Jordy could have done it. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> Data could have. <laughs> so Michael, she decides to kill herself with one of the purple balls. Right. To she, force the loop. She eats some antimatter. That looks scary. And vanishes. If my theory is right, that's terrible. <laughs> vanishes in a puff of matter. Very clever. Yep. I don't know if I would have had the guts to do it, but good on you, Michael. Now, I, I did notice on the next loop where they implement their plan, mm-hmm. uh, they made a point of showing everyone on the bridge alive. They did, yes. a, they did a shot of every single person <laughs> looking at the camera and going, yeah, I'm alive on this loop. To know that this is the loop we're going to continue. <laughs> Our stakes here, we're going to do a classic Starfleet trickaroo. Yep. Reprogram the captain's chair to make it look like we're signaling the Klingons. Right. When in reality, we're signaling Stella! (laughs) In reality, they called his wife. Saying, get your butt over here, this guy is crazy. (laughs) Get him back on your planet. And it works. I I loved it. Uh, Lurka, we didn't see all the scenes where they had to convince him. 50 loops of trying to convince Lurka that this is not a joke or anything. Apparently he was just on board right there. He bought into it. He acted it out very well. He was totally in on the sham. It worked great. I like how um, they finally just kind of disarm Mud hand to hand like they couldn't have done that you know some other time <laughs> well he had computer control <laughs> <laughs> he had those awfully convenient force fields <laughs> yeah I mean in the end he was just marching them down the hall at gunpoint this totally reminded me of a, a scene from uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with oh. uh, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr where they're being held at gunpoint by a guy, and Val Kilmer is explaining, like, in the movies, you always see a guy, and he's, like, holding the gun right up against somebody's back, and you shouldn't do that because you're within arm's reach, and they could just do this, and he turns around and disarms the guy behind him. Great scene. Which is basically what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> Who did it? Burnham, right? Was it Burnham or Ash? I oh, feel bad because I forgot. It. it was probably... Yeah. Ash makes sense. You know, they're equals, though. I could have seen it. either of them do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's fun to see them cooperating. Not only do we have the little love story between them, but... Obviously, they're both super competent, so I, I love this dynamic duel Science. between them. Science and, and violence combined. What did Mud think was going to happen, taking away Lurka's favorite pets? I mean, obviously, they were going to win. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a little point. The, um, the killer murder gravity ball things uh, were Lurka's. That's true. <laughs> Lurka's arsenal has some pretty horrific weapons in it. This much yep. we know about the guy. And it turns out the pistol that Mud picked up was also pretty entertainingly deadly yeah it looked like some kind of revolver mm-hmm. very uh kinda, space revolver kind of melt him do you notice like when it when it dissolved him the skull was left for a second please don't make me do a comparative analysis of <laughs> phaser blasts in oh, star trek fun. whole episode about that someday i think there's a tumbler already oh, okay so the ending was very star trek because it ends with them reuniting with stella and the father there giving him a harsh tongue lashing yep all the mass murder is I guess waved away and they just say Harry's free to go as long as you keep him on the planet. Well, Which, I, whatever. I suppose not everyone really knows about that, right? Like we got we got to see all the the Captain Lorca murder from kind of omniscient view. Uh Stemitz is the only one that remembers the time loops and he wasn't there for those. That poor guy, he's accumulating a lot of psychological Baggage. He's going to have to remember all these loops, all his friends dying repeatedly. That's true. Yeah. He's tripping on space, con- space mushrooms constantly. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait for the three-episode arc of Stemmets going insane. Because, <laughs> I mean, they gave him the cool arm patch. Yeah, that was a thing. Um, we, had, we had talked about, you know, are they going to find something better than jamming needles into someone every time they want to 
Which, four. thank goodness, that was kind of a horrific image in my yep. head that every time they had to jump, they had to stab him. So thank so goodness, he, that's over. Now he has a cool little arm patch. He's got the, he's on the spore patch uh, that was invented by uh, his partner, uh, the doctor. Yep. Um, and we get, a little, we get a little backstory about how they met, which was apparently on vacation somewhere. Oh, there's a funny story. So uh, how did it start? Um, the one guy was humming. The doctor yeah. was humming uh-huh. a very and, complex opera. <laughs> <laughs> and Stemmets told him to shut it. <laughs> And it was love at first sight. Apparently, yep. Well, they said they uh, he thinks they appreciated the honesty sure. in each other. Sure. And I guess I guess Burnham learned something from that because she was very honest about the time loop thing. Well, she was very honest with Ash going forward, at least on That's that true. loop. She, true. she dove right into that conversation with Ash. Uh, romance during time loops is complicated. It is. They had a good dance together, though. Mm-hmm. It was worth it. Yeah. Apparently, they know they know a little bit about what happened. Like Stemmets told both of them. Some details. How much would you believe Stemmets after all this? Like, at this point, is he making stuff up, or is he telling the truth? I mean, just, you know, when they're drunk at the next party. Right. <laughs> and he starts, like, telling people about the other 58 time loops. How they, they die. <laughs> God, Stemmets gets so dark. Ugh, downer. <laughs> so what do you think? Good episode? Loved it. All right. I, I, I love the mystery. I love the timey uh-huh. stuff. Uh, Tilly was hilarious in all her scenes. Definitely. And um, the little romance, I'm usually I can't stand melodrama like that. <laughs> but in this case, it was fun. It was good. It was fun. It's, it's characters that you kind of feel like they deserve it a little bit. I have one minor critique. I'm going to compare this to Cause and Effect again. Oh, no. I liked Cause and Effect because it was the crew of the Enterprise versus a natural phenomenon that they had to uh, science their way out of. Okay. And this one had a little bit more of an actual protagonist. Yes. And an actual antagonist. Yes. And... I don't really have a problem with that, but I really liked cause and effect because it was versus nature. <laughs> I like man versus nature. I hope we uh, reunite with the whale. Hope it reappears in season two. You know, as far as I know, that's still in the cargo bay. Uh, no, there was uh, depressurization of the cargo bay over oh, the loudspeaker toward I the that. end. I heard. I thought that was just chatter, but you're right. Oh no, that is the writers tying a little bow. Um, <laughs> and the final, the final uh, mistreatment of that creature is after just dragging it into a gravity-filled cargo bay, they just blow it back out into space. No, I assume it was a transfer back to Starfleet. It was all <laughs> humane. They got that time ship out of it. It's all better now. I, I hope they got the time ship. Out.